Turn with me to the book of Haggai, chapter 2. Haggai, chapter 2. That's how we greet people when they come into the church. Haggai, turn with me to Haggai, chapter 2, verses 6 to 9. Haggai, chapter 2, verses 6 to 9. We're going to talk a little bit about the glory of God. We're talking, doing a little mini-series in the midst of a series in 1 Peter as our ushers receive our second offering. Thank you for your giving and your faithfulness. Here in Haggai chapter 2, verses 6 to 9, God sends a man who's 70 years old. How many of you know the Lord can use anybody, no matter what their color, no matter what their age, no matter who they are, how young they are, how old they are? Josiah was king of Israel. He was only 8 years old. And now we see that God turns around and uses Haggai, a 70-year-old prophet, sends them to the nation of Israel. And he says in Haggai chapter 2 and verse 6, For thus says the Lord of hosts. Once more, it is a little while, and I will shake the heaven, and I will shake the earth. I'm going to shake the sea. I'm going to shake the dry land, and I'm going to shake all the nations, and they shall come to the desire of all nations. How many of you know there's a lot of nations being shaken today across the globe? And how many of you know it's the Lord who is shaking all the nations? Why is He doing that? Because He's coming back soon, and the reason He's shaking everything is to get the attention of everybody that they would come to know Jesus Christ as their personal Savior and Lord. How many of you know unless a person is shaken, they'll never come to know Jesus personally? If you're here today and you say, well, Pastor, the Lord's shaken, my life's being shaken, my family's being shaken, my job is being shaken, how many of you know that's not a bad thing because the Lord's getting your attention, He wants you to be saved, He wants you to be born again, He wants you to know Christ as your personal Savior and Lord. So He says here, the silver is mine and the gold is mine. You say, Pastor, I have a bank account, it's mine, it's not yours, it belongs to the Lord. You say, I have a retirement account, it's mine, it's not yours. How many of you know your house is not yours, your life is not yours, your car is not yours, your children is not yours, your ministry is not yours? How many of you know everything belongs to Jesus? Can you say amen everything? The silver is mine. The gold is mine, says the Lord of hosts. And the glory of this latter temple shall be greater than the former temple, says the Lord of hosts. And in this place, I will give peace, says the Lord of hosts. What is this referring to? The nation of Israel had disobeyed the Lord, had fallen away from the Lord. They worshiped their own gods. They did their own thing. And so all of a sudden, the Lord sent Nebuchadnezzar and the Babylonians in, and they destroyed the city of Jerusalem. They destroyed the temple. So the old temple was destroyed. God sent Israel into captivity for seven years. They finally came to their senses. How many of you know it takes time for some of us to come to our senses? when it comes to the Lord and turning to the Lord. If you're here today and you're not fully turned to the Lord, come to your senses and turn to the Lord with all of your heart, with all of your soul, with all of your mind. And so Israel finally came to their senses when they were in captivity. They said, this is nuts. We are miserable. We're away from the Lord because God sent Haggai and said, hey, you guys need to come back to the Lord. So they came back to the Lord and they rebuilt a new temple. And when they rebuilt the new temple, Haggai says this, this the old temple was wonderful. The old temple was beautiful. The old temple, there were a lot of great furnishings in it, but I want you to know there was something that's going to be great about this new temple that you're going to build. It won't have all the furnishings. It won't have all the money. It won't have all the adornment that the old temple had, but it'll have one thing that the old temple had. It'll have a greater presence and a great, greater glory of the Lord and Savior Jesus Christ in it. And I believe that that is what is coming as we head into 2020. I believe that the glory of the Lord is going to be stronger and greater than it has all the years that the United States and the world has been in existence. You say, why? Because God is preparing people for the return of the Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. And I also believe that there is going to be one more breath that is blown by the Lord out across the entire, uh, not only United States, but this entire world. And so the glory and the presence of God is going to be greater in 2020 than it has all the past years. How many of you are ready for God to do something in the future? Can you say amen? Oh, it's been great up until now, but the glory and the presence of the Lord is going to get stronger and stronger. You say, why is that going to happen? Because the glory of God produces more. Everybody say more. 
The glory of God produces more. We need to understand about this God who is the God of the more. He is the God of the more. Do you realize God wants to give you increase as we head into a new year? Do you believe that God wants to bring abundance to you? God wants to bring an increase to you. God wants you to have over and above. God wants you to have too much. God wants you to be bountiful in health and in finances and in the gifts of the Spirit and in love and in joy and in peace. There is nothing wrong with having more. May the Holy Spirit bless you as we head into a new year. May the Holy Spirit do a work in you as we head into a new year. May the Holy Spirit bless your business and bless your finances. May the Holy Spirit increase your anointing. May the Holy Spirit bountifully give you health and victory in your marriage, in your business, in your family, and in your ministry. How many of you are glad that the Lord wants to give you more and more and more? Lord, some of them aren't glad. I'll take your more. Come on, anybody want more and more and more and more, more joy, more peace, more finances, more blessings? Turn to somebody and say, he's the God of the more. He's the God of the more. You say, prove it scripturally. I can. In Jude verse 2, it says this, may the God of all peace, mercy, and love, may it be multiplied to you. In John chapter 10 and verse 10, Jesus said, I want to give you life, but I want to give you life more abundantly. In James chapter 1 and verse 5, if you ask for wisdom, he will give you wisdom, but he will give you liberal wisdom. Ephesians chapter 3 and verse 20, now to him who will do exceedingly, abundantly, above all that you ask or think, abundantly, liberal wisdom over and above what God has for you. God's people, don't settle for what you have now. Believe that God's going to give you more in the days ahead. Believe that He's going to give you an increase. Believe that He's going to give you an abundance. Believe that He's going to do exceedingly, abundantly, above all that you would ask or think in your ministry, in your life, in your marriage, with your finances, with your health. Woo! I'm ready for another service after this one. Come on, turn to somebody and say, He's a God of more. He's a God of more. He's not only a God of more, God has more for us. Everybody say, God has more for me. God has more for me. The Lord gave me something to tell each and every one of you in third service. Some believers in third service, you are stuck. You are stuck right where you are at. But God has more for you. God created you with a destiny and a purpose to do more for the kingdom of God. I'm not saying to bypass your family, bypass your job, but he has more for you to do. He has more for each and every one of us to do by the power of His Holy Spirit. I don't want us to be stuck. The reason some people don't go after more, they don't let go of the, of the land to go out into the seas, is because sometimes of fear. I believe some believers in third service, not saying it bad, you have found yourselves, you are in a rut. Maybe a little bit of stubbornness. Maybe you're too busy. Maybe you're a little bit too lukewarm, whatever it is. Come out of your rut. Get unstuck. God wants to use you to do great and wonderful things. Do we really realize that it is the last days? You say, what are great and wonderful things? Whatever God has for you, that's a great and wonderful thing. Maybe you've been in usher third service. Maybe God is saying, why don't you help to be a recruiter and take over a section of the third service people? Hey, maybe I've been in the choir. Maybe God wants you to take over a section of the choir and not just be in the choir. Maybe you've put your toes in missions work and God is saying, sell everything and head to the mission field. Maybe you've never taken a class in the school of ministry, but now all of a sudden God is saying, I got more for you. I want to use you in a greater way. Come on, get to the school of ministry. Pastor, I can't afford it. Oh, yes, you can afford it. You can believe God for a hundred bucks. You can put your faith in the Lord and say, Lord, I just know that you have more for me. You want to use me more, so I want to go to school. Aren't you glad that God wants to use you and use you to the fullest extent? Fullest extent. There was a wonderful lady named Ethel Waters. Some of you will not know Ethel Waters. 
Some of you have maybe never heard of Billy Graham because of your youthfulness, which is fine. Billy Graham was one of the greatest evangelists, if not the greatest evangelist that has ever been on the stage. How many of you understand there was no more great evangelist that God has raised up after Billy Graham died? That says a lot for our nation. We used to have a pastor of the nation, and it used to be a lot of different people. When Billy Graham died, it stopped right at that time. But Ethel Waters, she ended up singing for Billy Graham. She was a wonderful, wonderful lady. She had a beautiful voice. She was born in 1900. She went to be with the Lord in 1977. Ethel Waters says this. This is her quote. John Waters, my father, came back one day and forced my mother to submit to him. She tried to fight him off, but he raped her, holding a knife to her neck. She was only 12 years old, and she didn't know what it was all about, but she had to give in to him, and that's when I was conceived. Ethel Waters was conceived out of a rape. Her mom was 13 years old. She was a single parent. But how many of you know, even though she started off rough, how many of you know God had more for her? God had more for her. She says with her own quote that she was a wild child because your mom's 13, 14, 15, even in her 20s. And so she just would roam the streets doing whatever she wanted. But how many of you know God had more for her? She got in vaudeville when she was 17 years old, started to act and started to sing, and she had a great voice, and she started to make a little bit of money, and people were asking her to go in bars and, and doing some uh, spots and things, and, uh, but God came to her and says, I got more for you. Somebody saw her in one of the bars one time and in vaudeville, and they saw how well she could sing, and they finally put her on the stage, and they took her to New York City when she was a young gal, and she made hundreds and hundreds of thousands of dollars, but God came to her and said, Ethel, I got more for you. And all of a sudden, she went to a Billy Graham crusade one day. And all of a sudden, she found herself at the altar. How many of you know sometimes we get saved? We don't know how in the world it happened, but God made it happen. She ended up down at the altar, and Ethel Waters got born again through the blood of the Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Isn't that awesome? But guess what God said? I got more for you. And then all of a sudden, Billy Graham heard her sing one time. And Billy Graham went to her personally and said, Ethel, it would be my pleasure and honor to have you sing in front of all the crowds of people when I preach the precious gospel. And so Ethel Waters, for many years, was the lead singer in every Billy Graham crusade. She sang an old song. Again, some of you are the younger that won't know it. His eye is on the sparrow. And I know that he watches me. And she would sing that song. And Billy Graham would preach. And because of the anointing on her, and because of her life, and because she wanted to be used by the Lord, Hundreds of thousands of people got born again and got saved through the blood of Jesus Christ. But then God came to her and said, I got more for you. And one day when she was 77 years old, she went to be with the Lord and saw the fullness of his glory and honor and praise. You say, Pastor, why are you saying this? God wants to use you. It doesn't matter how you were born. It doesn't matter what your past is. It doesn't matter what your color is. It doesn't matter what your religion is. It doesn't matter how hard that you have had it. It makes no difference at all. God wants to use you for his glory and his honor, and he has more for you. Come on, give him praise. He has more for you. Get out of your rut. Get unstuck. There's a future. There's a destiny that God has for you and your life for his glory and for his honor. Can you say amen? Turn with me to Exodus chapter 14. Exodus chapter 14. God wanted more for the children of Israel. God wanted more for a person named Moses. All of a sudden, God raised up Moses. I call him a mountain man as you're turning to Exodus 14. 
not because he had a beard and long hair. He was always in the mountains with the Lord. He always found himself with Jesus. In the Old Testament, remember, God did not dwell in people. God dwells within individuals now when you're born again. But in the Old Testament, the Lord dwelt in a building or on top of the mountain. Moses every day would go up into the mountain, Mount Sinai. Some of you maybe have heard it. It's called the Mount of God. And he would spend time with the Lord. And when he spent time with the Lord, how many of you know the glory of God comes down upon you? And he was used by God to do more. The Lord used Moses to lead millions of Jewish people out of Egypt. The Lord used Moses to get Israel saved through the Passover and the blood of the Lamb. The Lord used Moses to perform miracles and turn the water into blood and the Nile River and the ten plagues from Egypt. You can read it in the book of Exodus and to get water out of a rock. Then all of a sudden Moses came to the Red Sea and that's what Exodus 14 is. How many of you have ever had a Red Sea experience when behind you is the Egyptians, on either side of you is the Rocky Mountains, you can't climb them, in front of you is the Red Sea, and it looks like all the obstacles are ready to crush you. But all of a sudden, when Moses came to the Red Sea, he said, Moses, I want you to know, I've brought you all this way from Egypt to the wilderness, and now I've brought you to this point, and now there's a Red Sea experience. And I want you to know, Moses, the glory of the Lord is upon you, and when the glory, my glory is upon you, I want you to know that I'm going to do more for you. That Red Sea is nothing in my sight. Those mountains on either side are nothing for me. The Egyptian army behind me is nothing for me. I'm the God of more, and I'm going to give you more strength, and I'm going to give you more anointing, and I'm going to give you more power, and you're going to make it through this problem. You're going to make it through this situation. You're going to make it through this Red Sea experience. Hello, anybody here today? And you are going to make it through your experience. You are going to make it through every obstacle that comes your way. So let me give you this morning some Red Sea rules. I have three or four of them that I want to give to you. How to get through these situations. And we're going to get through these situations because he is a God of more. He's going to give you more power, more anointing, more patience, more help to get you through. Because how many of you know that he wants to use you more than ever before? And these obstacles will try to stop you, but we're not going to be stopped. Exodus chapter 14 and verse 10. Here's the first thing that we need to do when it comes to a Red Sea experience. And when Pharaoh drew near, the children of Israel lifted their eyes, and behold, the Egyptians marched after them. So they were very afraid. But the children of Israel, what did they do? Tell me, please. What did they do? They prayed. They cried out to the Lord. They sought the face of the Lord. When the Red Sea is in front of you and the Rocky Mountains, I'm just saying the Rockies, they weren't the Rockies, but they were big mountains on either side of them, and the Egyptian army is behind them, what did they do? They didn't freeze. They weren't paralyzed. They cried out to the God of heaven because they knew if they cried out to the God of heaven that he would make a way for them. The God who led them in is the God who was going to also lead them out of their situation. So we need to understand that he told them to pray. Pastor, I know that. I know that we know that intellectually. But I am not talking about a dinner prayer over your broccoli. I'm not talking about making the sign of the cross over your macaroni and cheese. And I don't know why we pray this. Why do we pray this? God bless all this food to our bodies. Oh, my goodness. I don't, I don't know why we pray that. God just blessed this food to us in the name of Jesus. Thank you that you've given us this food. But we need more than a broccoli and a macaroni and cheese prayer if we're going to see God break through our lives, break through our families, break through in our community, see God change our nation, see God bring revival here to the United States and also to here to Newport Ritchie. I'm praying every day that God will just save everybody in Newport Ritchie, save everybody in Port Ritchie, save everybody in Hudson, Save everybody in Trinity. Save everybody in Tarpon Springs. There's only 20 people that are believing that with me. Come on, do you want to see some people saved? Come on, do you want to see our community changed? 
Do you want to see God do something in this nation which has gone crazy? Guess what we're going to have to do? Cry out to the Lord. The word cry out here in the Hebrew means to roar, to shriek, to call, to call out loud. It's a loud humming noise. We must pray. We must cry out to the Lord. We need to understand that if you only pray when there's trouble, then you are in trouble. But when there is trouble, you need to pray and you need to seek the face of the Lord. And man, Israel was in trouble. So guess what they did? They cried out to the Lord. You say, Pastor Strayer, why did they cry out to the Lord? Because he's deaf? No, 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 no. The Bible from Genesis to Revelation says to cry out to the Lord. There are just times in our lives we got to cry out to the Lord. And guess what? We are living in this day and age today. Do you realize that we are living during a time of visitation? This is the last visitation on planet Earth. This is the last time that the Lord is going to visit and breathe His Holy Spirit upon this planet. Then what's going to happen? We be out of here as born-again believers. The rapture of the church is coming. We are that close. Don't make my ears stick out. I don't want to be like Dumbo. Come on. We are that close. So guess what it's time to do? Cry out to the Lord. Cry out to the Lord for your kids. Cry out to the Lord for your grandkids. Cry out to the Lord for your pastor and staff. Cry out to the Lord for our community. Cry out to the Lord for those that are in sin. A broccoli prayer, no. Lord, just save our community. In Jesus' name, I bless the broccoli. Amen. That's not going to do a ding-dong. we got to get on our knees we got to cry out to the Lord. I'm not saying this to pat me on the back. Guess what I was doing at 5.30 this morning? I was crying out for all of you. I just didn't say, Lord, I pray that you bless third service. I pray a bunch of people come and give some money. And I pray that you would just touch them. I didn't even care about that. Here's what I prayed. God, I pray in the name of the Lord that the glory and the presence of God would just consume each and every person that comes through these doors. I pray for each and every family that marriages would be on fire for you, that there would not be any divorce, that there would not be any separation. I come against every spirit of division that would try to come in to CCWC. I pray that you would push it out of here. I come against every spirit of doubt. I come against every spirit of unbelief. I pray for everyone who does not have a job, that you would get them a job. I pray that you would bless them. I pray that when the word of God is preached, I pray it would go into their spirits and go into their hearts. I pray that God, you would minister to everyone that comes in. I pray for breakthroughs. I pray for everyone who is sick, that they would be healed. I pray for everyone who needs deliverance, that you would deliver them. I pray for everyone addicted on drugs and alcohol and nicotine and overeating would be delivered and would be touched. I pray, God, people would be saved. I pray that people would be changed. I pray that you would put a hunger in the hearts of everybody that comes into this place, God. I pray that we would leave on fire for you, God. I pray that we would never be the same, O Lord. And then I pray a half hour in tongues. And then I go back and pray in English and pray in tongues. You say, you do that every day. Yes, I have my devotion times where I'm quiet and I'm before the Lord, but then I cry out to the Lord because nothing is going to change unless we cry out to the Lord. Do we all realize that God does not move unless we pray? God moves when we pray. You say, Pastor, my kids and whatever, start crying out to the Lord. You will see something happen. You will see something occur. Start praying for your finances. Start praying for your marriage. Come on, start praying for your church. Start praying for your community, and you will see something happen as you call upon the name of the Lord. Pastor, I'm in a tough situation. you got Egypt behind you. you got the mountains on either side of you. you got the Red Sea in front of you. You begin to cry out to the Lord, and guess what's going to happen? God's going to 
raise up somebody to put their hand over that Red Sea and the waters are going to part and you're going to walk through on dry land and God's going to give you victory that you never knew that you could have before. It's time not to pray. It's time not to pray. It's time not to pray. It's time to cry out to the Lord. Come on, everybody praise him. Crying out to the Lord. Pastor Tony, would you hand out those prayer sheets if you would? We have four of them. If you're upstairs in the cafe, you can still be a part, of course. And uh, we want you to sign up to be a part of a corporate prayer meeting. If you're already in a corporate prayer meeting, don't sign up. But we have corporate prayer meetings Tuesday at noon. We started a new one, 6 in the morning on Wednesday mornings. Then we have Thursday night before church service, Sunday mornings before first service. We want you to come and pray corporately. And when you get to the corporate prayer meetings, don't be surprised if you hear people not yelling and screaming, but we are are lifting up our voices to the King of kings and Lord of lords. Can I look you in the eyes and say we are full of joy, but we are meaning business with the Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. I'm tired of people getting sick. I'm tired of divorces happening. I'm tired of the druggies taking over our community. I'm sick and tired of hearing that Newport Ritchie, all it is is a drug-infested city. It's time that we kick the drugs out. It's time that we kick the demons out. It's time that we take back territory. And there's only one way it's going to happen. It's not going to happen by might. It's not going to happen by power. It's going to happen by the Spirit of the Lord. Come on, cry out to the Lord and He'll bring change. Can you say amen? Number two, Exodus chapter 14 and verse 15. The second thing we need to do when we are up against a Red Sea problem, a Red Sea issue, Egypt behind us. Mountains on either side of us. The Red Sea in front of us, Exodus 14, 15. The Lord said to Moses, why are you continuing to cry out to me? Tell the children of Israel to go forward, go forward. There's the second point. We need to move forward. How many of you understand that you can cry out to the Lord and the Lord hears your prayers, but then it's time to do something? Then it's time to do something. There are churches all over our nation that they have intercessors. That's good. Some of them have prayer meetings, but I tell you, the prayer meetings in most churches do not exist today. It's very sad. And so they have a few people praying, etc. cetera. And, uh, but we need to understand that the Lord says, okay, it's good that you're praying. It's good that you're interceding. Now get up off your knees, and you need to move forward, and you need to do something. You say, Pastor, how are we going to move forward in our Red Sea experience? The way that we are going to move forward is that we're going to move forward by faith. Everybody say faith, please. Turn with me, if you would, please, to verse 31 of chapter 14. Thus Israel saw the great work which the Lord had done. How many of you know the Lord does great works? He did a great work which he had done. So the people feared the Lord, and the people did what? They believed the Lord. We move forward by faith. We need to believe the Lord. What does that mean? We need to understand that faith knows, and we need to declare that. Faith knows that God is going to come through for us. Faith knows that he is going to turn our situation around. Here's what your Bible says. Only believe, and then all things are possible. How many of you believe that all things are possible with the Lord? If you do what? Believe. The Bible says if we walk in doubt and unbelief, we are like a double-minded man who is unstable in all our ways. It says that we will not receive anything from the Lord. Have you ever been double-minded before? I sure have. God's going to do this. Five minutes later, I'm not so sure he's going to do this. 
Yes, I know. I got, I'm a man of faith. He's going to come through for me and get me that job. You know what? Ten minutes later, I'm not so sure that job is going to come. Man, I haven't gotten my phone call yet. Double-minded, back and forth. There's, you know what? All the double-minded people, don't tell them. Don't record this, please. All the double-minded people came second and first service. How many of you know we don't have any double-minded people in third service? How many of you? Now, don't record that. Turn that off. How many of you know we are all people of faith in this third service? And guess what? We know God's going to come through for us. We know that no matter how, they are, how hard the obstacles are, that God's going to part the Red Sea for us. We know that God's going to heal us. We know that God's going to do the work because I have faith in the Word and I have faith in the Lord. Does anybody else? Duke does. That's only one person. Anybody else have some faith that the Lord is going to come through for us? And guess what? As we do that, we're going to move forward. Now, many commentaries, not all commentaries, and again, they're just commentaries. Many commentaries believe that the opening of the Red Sea was a process and was not one instantaneous opening. So here are the children of Israel, 3 million. Let's assume that that's true. There's 3 to 6 million Jews, Jewish people, that look at the Red Sea. All of a sudden, Moses takes his hand and just waves over it as God told him to. But then the Lord said, now, Israel, you've been crying out. That's good. You've been praying. Now you've got to move. So all of a sudden, when Israel started to take one step forward, the sea started to open up. They took another step of obedience and faith, and the sea started to open up a little bit more, and then they got excited, and then they start moving and moving until all of a sudden the wall kept opening and opening and opening. Pastor, I don't see anything happening. That's because you're not moving forward. You're not taking steps of faith. You take those steps of faith. You trust the Lord. You trust his word. You believe in him, and guess what? Little by little, the Red Sea will keep opening, opening, opening. You'll go across on dry land, and you'll get the victory that God has for you. Then he can use you to do greater things than he's ever used before. Can you say amen? Here's the third thing we need to understand. Number three, don't put God in a box. Don't put God in a box. Turn to somebody next to you, look him in the eye, and say, God is unpredictable. How many of you are glad we serve an unpredictable God? You say, what does that mean? He can do anything. He can do anything he wants to do at any time in his way. Here in Exodus 14, verse 21, Moses stretched out his hand over the sea, and the Lord caused the sea to go back by a strong east wind all that night and made the sea into dry land, and the waters were divided. Look at this. So the children of Israel went into the midst of the sea on muddy ground. Yeah, dry ground. No mud. Can you believe that? No mud, no stench, whatever. They went right over on dry ground. And the waters were a wall to them on their right hand and on their left. And the Egyptians pursued and went after them into the midst of the sea, all Pharaoh's horses, his chariots, and his horsemen. Now it came to pass in the morning watch that the Lord looked down upon the army of the Egyptians through the pillar of fire and cloud. And he troubled the army of the Egyptians, and he took off their chariot wheels so that they drove them with difficulty. And the Egyptians said, Let us flee from the face of Israel, for the Lord fights for them against the Egyptians." Then the Lord said to Moses, stretch out your hand over the sea, that the waters may come back upon the Egyptians on their chariots and on their horsemen. And Moses stretched out his hand over the sea, and when the morning appeared, the sea returned to its full depth. While the Egyptians were fleeing into it, so the Lord overthrew the Egyptians in the midst of the sea. Then the waters returned and covered the chariots and the horsemen and all the army of Pharaoh that came into the sea after them. 
Not so much as one of them remained, but the children of Israel had walked on dry land in the midst of the sea, and the waters were a wall to them on their right and on their left. So the Lord saved Israel that day out of the hand of the Egyptians, and Israel saw the Egyptians dead on the seashore. Thus Israel saw the great work which the Lord had done in Egypt. So the people feared the Lord and believed the Lord and his servant Moses. I'm here to tell you, I know you know what up here, get in your heart, God can do anything. And I don't know how in the world he's going to do it sometimes. I wrote down in my notes, we might not know how he will do something, but he will do something. And I don't know what that something is. All I know is this, he is totally and completely unpredictable. As we head toward 2020, get ready for the unpredictable. Not weird, not off balance, not something that's against doctrine. Unpredictable. Do not replace the power of an unpredictable God with what is secure, manageable, and also predictable. Do not replace the power of an unpredictable God with what is secure, with what is manageable, and what is predictable. We need to understand that God is a supernatural God. In our churches today, the supernatural has been eliminated from a lot of churches and a lot of Christians, but we cannot eliminate the supernatural and the unpredictableness of the Lord our God. I'm not talking about weirdness. I'm not talking about something that goes against God's Word. But listen, I am open to the Lord doing whatever He wants to do in me and my family and my church and my community to save them, heal them, touch them, and get the job done. How about you? That's not everybody, but I'll take every I'll take what I get. That's fine. Pastor, give me an example in the scriptures. I will. Here was Jesus, friends of Mary and Martha and Lazarus. Lazarus was a good friend of Jesus, and they sent a message to Jesus telling them that Lazarus was dying. He was very sick. And he was going to die. And they said, Jesus, you've got to get here. We know that you can heal him. Guess what the Lord told them? I'll be there in a few days. How would you like to call the church number and somebody's dying in your family? And all of a sudden we say, we'll be there when we can. <laughs> we'll be there in a few days. Boy, that wouldn't go over very much. Can you imagine Mary and Martha hearing that? Hey, the Lord says he's coming when? He has to come right away. Lazarus is going to die. Uh, he said he would be there. He's in another city and he'll get there when he can. Guess what happened? Lazarus died. But the Lord was sitting there going, what's the difference if I heal him right now while he's alive? Or if he dies and I raise him from the dead. I am an unpredictable God. I don't have to do it man's way. I don't have to do it a church's way. I don't have to do it society's way. I am going to do it, but I can either go right now to them and I can raise him up or I can wait till he's been dead for a few days and stinks and is wrapped up in cloth and I can raise him from the dead. So love, all of a sudden Jesus comes to where Mary and Martha lived. And they said, Jesus, if you would have only been here, he wouldn't have died. And guess what Jesus said? I am the resurrection and the life. He who believes in me, though he were dead, yet shall he live. Take me to where Lazarus is buried. So they went to the tomb of Lazarus. And all of a sudden, they rolled the stone away. And before Jesus said anything, how many of you know Jesus named Lazarus personally? Because if he would have said, rise from the dead, the whole graveyard would have gotten up. So guess what he said? Lazarus, come out, come forth. 
And all of a sudden, this guy that's tied up, all of a sudden, he starts to walk out. The people were astonished. They unwrap him. They take off all the old clothes, and they put new clothes on him. You know what that represents? When the Lord saves us, he takes off all the old clothes. He gives us new life, and he puts on all new clothes. Come on, how many of you are glad he took off all your old clothes and he put on new clothes and he raised you from death and he raised you from sin and he gave you everlasting life? Turn with me to Matthew chapter 17 because some of you aren't convinced yet. I can tell. We got plenty of time. The Bucks, did the Bucks win, by the way, on Friday? We've been praying. We've been crying out to the Lord for him. Matthew 17, verse 24. Somebody told me they're going to win the Super Bowl. I said, oh, I don't know about that, but we'll just keep crying out to the Lord. But God is unpredictable, isn't he? He's an unpredictable God. Some of you don't believe me about him being unpredictable. But you know what will help you to believe that? And I hope it never happens to you when you have a Red Sea experience. And the mountains are on either side of you. And the Red Sea is in front of you. And the Egyptian army is behind you. You will understand how to cry out to the Lord then. You will understand that you got to keep moving forward and not be paralyzed. And you will understand that I've put God in a box all these years that he had to do it this way and this way. But, God, I'm taking you out of the box because the Egyptians are behind me, the Red Sea's in front of me, the mountains on either side, and I need an unpredictable God to do something unpredictable right now to bring me the miracle that I need to get through this situation. We're all going to need it. Look at Matthew 17. I love this. I'm going to try this to pay my taxes coming up next year. Verse 24, when they had come to Capernaum, those who received the temple tax came to Peter and said, does your teacher not pay the temple tax? And he said, yes. And when he had come into the house, Jesus anticipated him saying, what do you think, Simon? From whom do you, the kings of the earth, take customs or taxes? From their sons or from strangers? Peter said to him, from strangers. Jesus said to Peter, then the sons are free. Nevertheless, Lest we offend them, I want you to go out to the Gulf of Mexico. That would be us. Here was the Galilee, Sea of Galilee. I want you to go out to the sea. I want you to cast in a hook, and I want you to take the fish that comes up first. And when you have opened its mouth, you will find some money in the mouth. Take it, and that will be the temple tax for me and for you. Turn to somebody next to you. Look them in the eye. Say, let's go fishing after third service. Have you seen that Geico commercial where that little girl brings in that goldfish? That guy says, we're rich, we're rich, we're rich. And all of a sudden, the disciple obeyed, threw in the hook. He pulled in the fish, got the fish there, reached down with his hand into the fish, pulled it out all grimy and slimy, and guess what was in there? The temple tax was there. I got news for you. We serve an unpredictable God. How many of you this morning, how many of you this morning, again, we're all going through something. I'm not talking about all of us that are going through something. How many of you are up against a Red Sea experience right now? I mean, it's pretty tough for you somehow, some way. Could I see your hand lifted high? Lift it up as high as you possibly could, if you would, please. Father, in the name of Jesus, we pray for those with their hands lifted up right now. You're an unpredictable God. If that's you, just leave your hand up, if you would, please. You're an unpredictable God. And I ask right now, Lord, that you would bring them through their Red Sea experience. And I pray that they would take steps of faith, Father. And I pray as they take steps of faith, Lord, that the Red Sea is going to continue to open up little 
by little, by little, by little, until there is a breakthrough. Father, let them cry out to you. Let them not be discouraged, even though it's a huge obstacle. Let them not back away. Let them not um, pull back. Let them cry out to you. Let them move forward by faith, Lord. Then let them understand that you are an unpredictable God.